0: So this path, uh, the Buddha's path, it's a path, uh, we like to think of it as a way of life, it's not just meditation, meditation uh, is, the found, is the heart of the path, the cultivation of the concentration is the heart of the path, uh, it's a path of happiness, it's a path uh, that leads us to uh, a goal like all paths do, uh, this is a path of happiness, a path in which we uh, come to the end of suffering or alleviate our suffering and and are able to know happiness it's a path of happiness but when we talk about happiness of course it's very important to understand what we mean by happiness and we're talking about the Buddhist happiness if you will uh, where uh, as opposed to the happiness of the world uh, the happiness of the world it said is the happiness that comes from uh, that people look for in uh, the Different sense pleasures and gain and material gain and possessions and status and in praise. Most beings, the Buddha said, uh, look for the happiness of the world, follow the ways of the world, and look for happiness in the ways of the world. Uh, hasn't really changed much since the time of the Buddha, I don't think. Uh, What, of course, the Buddha came to realize, and that we're asked to realize, because the fact that he realized it, and others uh, have realized it over the course of time, is that the happiness of the world, the happiness of the different sense pleasures, the pleasures of the world, the happiness of material gain and possessions, is a very unreliable happiness. It's a very unreliable happiness it's an undependable happiness we can't depend on these things for our happiness because they come and they go they're unreliable we've seen in the last year or so the last two years almost how so many of these happinesses of the world and things of the world and pleasures of the world that we depended on for our happiness all of a sudden were taken away from us and we've had a real illustration of the uh, the transitory and unreliable nature of the happiness of the world. When we begin to start to experience the happiness uh, that the path offers, we also begin to realize that even then there is a happiness in these things, these sense pleasures, these uh, different possessions that we have, there is a certain happiness in them, but it's really not such a great happiness compared to the happiness that uh, the path offers to us. Uh, the happiness that the path offers to us and that we seek to know is sometimes known as the happiness of the heart, and it's the happiness that we find inside uh, that's, uh, that's ever-present within us. So the term in Pali is Kaliko. This happiness inside is part of the ever-present truth, so it's a reliable happiness, it's always there for us, and of course we bring this happiness to fruition through our actions through our actions that that are derived from this happiness inside, which is the happiness of the heart. So when our actions are an expression of the happiness of the heart, uh, we know uh, this happiness, this true happiness. We call it a true happiness because it's a reliable happiness compared to the happiness of the world. So in the metta practice, uh, the loving-kindness practice, we, uh, we're we reminding ourselves of our wish to know this happiness. So it's one of the reasons why the metta practice is really important, uh, is that we're reminding ourselves that we have this wish, we all have this wish within us to know the happiness of the world, uh, uh, for this happiness, uh, excuse me, for this happiness of heart. We all have this wish for happiness of heart in the heart. Uh, So, in the metta practice, we're reminding ourselves of our wish to be happy, to have happiness of heart. And sometimes we use these phrases, may I be happy of heart. Uh, One of the phrases that we use is, may I have ease of being. May I have ease of being. Uh, This quality of ease or ease of being is an expression of happiness, of the happiness of heart. So, it's kind of, again, it's a very uh, countercultural way of thinking about what happiness is—that uh, uh, this deep internal ease of heart that we come to know uh, through uh, the Dharma practice—is uh, uh, is is a form of happiness, the happiness of the heart. So, through our practice we come to know the ease in the body uh, and cultivate an ease in the body which leads us to uh, this quality of ease in the heart that where we wish for ourselves may i have ease of being a being that's at ease that's at peace Uh, so We begin that process in the breath meditation through practicing mindfulness of breathing. So the Buddha's practice of mindfulness of breathing or meditation is not just a practice of focus, right? It's a practice of cultivating ease, internal pleasure. Uh, So this is so important to understand when we talk about what we're aiming to do, if you will, in our breath meditation practice. We're looking to cultivate uh, ease and an internal pleasure, which is a more reliable pleasure than the pleasures of the world. So, the pleasure of concentration, the pleasure of uh, jhana, like we worked with yesterday in our uh, in our daylong retreat, is a more reliable pleasure. This quality of ease in the body and internal pleasure leads us to ease of being and the happiness of heart. So. Uh, so we're we're trading the Buddha said we're trade we make this trade we're trading uh, a lesser happiness for a greater happiness that's that's our definition of renunciation we're making a skillful trade so we trade the happinesses of the world the pleasures of the world for the happiness inside and the pleasure that's inside that's internal so you know we, we develop these qualities in the meditation but then of course uh, you know what we're asked to do and if this is essential to the practice it's so important to understand this because when most people think about meditation they think about it's like what you're doing when you're sitting down with your eyes closed but really the practice the meditation is practice you know it's practice for the world and uh, you know in, in the end we need to bring these qualities of ease and pleasure into the world uh, And uh, so we put a lot of effort into that in our practice. We put a lot of effort into the sitting. The walking meditation, as we talked about last week, is a a really good tool for making this transition from sitting uh, to being in the world. And in the walking meditation, we cultivate the breath. Uh, We're mindful of the breath, but we also try to feel that nice, easeful breath, uh, that easeful quality in the body that quality of internal pleasure in movement, in movement. And then as we go into the world, in what we call the natural meditation, we seek to be able to touch into the breath, the body. Uh, We're cultivating an experience of the body and bringing an experience of the body and moving through our days in the world. uh, And the body is at ease. The body is at ease and we have a pleasurable abiding in the body. And when we have this quality of internal ease and this pleasurable abiding in the body we're able to uh, function at our highest level and we're able to stay close to the heart so we uh, we bring uh, this ease this easefulness into the world so uh, there's ease in motion there's ease in motion uh, and you know this this ease that we're Cultivating in the meditation, sometimes we call it this this quality of breath energy. So there's this quality of energy in the body. There's this quality of energy in the body, aliveness, if you will, in the body. Uh, This quality of ease, PT, and this quality of pleasure in the body as we go through our days. Sometimes in 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 Dharma practice, we talk about near enemies. Near enemies. Uh, if we think about this concept or this, this state of being, this easeful state of being, uh, we may have this idea that easefulness, or we may associate easefulness uh, with uh, a kind of a low energy quality. And actually, the Buddha's easefulness, this easefulness that we're developing in meditation and carrying into the world, is actually a quite energized state. It's a state of high energy, it's a state of high energy, but it's a calm energy, it's a calm energy, it's a, energy. It's a still energy, we talked about this last week, stillness and motion. It's a very easeful energy, but it's an energy, it's an energy, and it's a strong energy. It's a strong energy that we're carrying, that we're cultivating in the meditation. You know, the meditation at its highest levels is a, is a highly energized state, but it's 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 a, it's a calm and a still and an easeful energy. We may associate uh, ease with a low, low a state of low energy. You know, so you have to be. I, I mean, I always like that term near enemy because we can get we can get deceived, we can get deceived, and you know, and of course. There's a lot of forces out there that are going to try to deceive us you know, into uh, thinking that this is the most easeful state. These low energy states. You know, lying on the couch with the remote control is an easeful state. You know, well, it's an easeful state. You know, by, by the definitions of the world, but not by the Buddhist definitions. And you can start to notice that. You know, what's it like when I'm lying on the couch with the remote control? Is that really easeful? You know, or is there some level of agitation there? So you start to pay attention to that. Uh, but we tend to associate ease with, with, with low-energy states, even laziness or dullness. Uh, you know, uh, we might try to cultivate ease by using sort of artificial means, if it's the television uh, or uh, you know, some other kind of sense pleasure, alcohol, drugs... You know, I mean, you know, for many, many years, I, you know, I smoked pot every day, you know, and it seemed like a very easeful and laid back state that I was in. You know, the term we used to use in those days back in the seventies was mellow. You know, I was very mellow, you know, smoke a few joints, listen to a few Grateful Dead records, you know, and it was, it was very mellow. I was, we were really mellowed out, very mellowed out. Really what we were and what I was was checked out, checked out, checked out. Know, so these states you know, that may look easeful, if, it's, if it was me back in the 70s, I haven't done that in over 30 years, uh, any of that kind of stuff. Well, Grateful Dead I listen to occasionally, but completely sober. Uh, you know, If we look at what those states are like, Uh, you know it's hard to look at those states and a lot of times because they're low energy states but if we look at those states we say that there's a level of agitation and the heart is blocked off those states in which we're checked out that may seem easeful are states when the heart is blocked off the heart is blocked off Uh, in order for us to be connected to the heart we need to be in the body in order to maintain body awareness there needs to be a level of high energy If there's body awareness that's informed with high energy, that's easeful and pleasurable, then we're able to stay connected to the heart. So our practice is to bring ease into our movement, into motion, into life, into our days and nights, so that we can stay in the body uh, uh, and that we can stay close to the heart. Typically, uh, the body isn't at ease, right? and that's kind of why we go to those sense pleasures in part typically the body isn't in a state of ease typically the body is in a in a more stressed out state uh, a more contracted state so uh, even now you know we meditated maybe you brought some real nice ease to the body but even now as I started talking and maybe you know you had to you know, click some buttons on the computer or whatever, or there's a sound, you know, the body starts to tighten up, right? So you may even notice now that the body is kind of tightened up a little bit, even since the meditation. Uh, So, uh, you know, so notice that, you know, that's our practice to notice when there's tightness, contraction, what we often call dis-ease in the body. So this is a very important part of our mindfulness, if you want to be super technical about it, Uh, You know, it's the second foundation of mindfulness, noticing the bodily sensations. Uh, And, you know, we tend to think about that as pain, pain, oh, my knees hurt, this, that, and the other thing. But there's many more subtle levels of body sensation that conduce to dukkha, you know, and and lead us to the blocking off of the heart. And a lot of times it's just those tightnesses and those little stresses and that agitation and that dis-ease in the body that we tend to go through the day with so when we have that kind of dis-ease in the body which most of the time we're not noticing because we think this is sort of our baseline state you know i mean it is kind of our baseline state so we just don't even notice the tightness and the tension in the body so uh when when but when that's there uh and again a lot of this is sort of operating underneath our radar the, the radar of mindfulness or awareness uh, it leads to disliking So if there's tightness or tension or stress and dis-ease in the body, generally there's going to be some disliking of that, even though that's sort of unbeknownst to us. There's going to be a quality of agitation, uh, that quality of agitation or uh, uh, aversion that's coming from those unpleasant movements of stress in the body lead us, because in large part we're not aware of them, to those external sense pleasures. You know so you know the body is tight and tense as you go through your day you know and you're on the phone, and all of a sudden you find yourself on the phone or in the refrigerator or watching tv because we're trying to allay uh, we're trying to ameliorate i'm using a lot of big words that start with a here we're trying to soothe the tightness and the tension in the body you know and in our ignorance if you will it's not a and then to be a negative, uh, it is negative, but it's not meant to be critical of your mind. It's critical of your lack of awareness. We try to soothe the tightness and the tension by going to some kind of external sense pleasure, like the coffee. Uh, so, uh, and then of course, what that leads to is more tightness and tension. You know, the more we look to ameliorate the tightness and the tension in the body with an external sense pleasure, it just leads to more tightness and tension because those external sense pleasures, like the coffee, pass. And then we have to get more, and we have to get more. We have to be engaged in this constant process of replenishing uh, these external pleasures. So it leads to even more stress. So when we're in this state, when we're in this state of being, in which the body is tight and tense and stress and we're looking to and we're not noticing it and there's a version that we're not noticing and agitation that we're generally not noticing so you know kind of the key is noticing right and that we're not noticing the agitation and the stress and then we're looking to soothe the tightness and the tension by using some kind of external experience like the phone or the tv or the smoking the pot or whatever it is uh, 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 which leads to more stress when we're engaged in this kind of way of being in the world, the heart is blocked. The heart is blocked. The heart is blocked. We're cut off from the heart. We're cut off from the heart. That's what we mean by dukkha. You know, suffering is a kind of a funny word because when we think of suffering, which is how dukkha often gets translated, we think of, oh, Something terrible has happened, I'm suffering. Suffering means the heart is blocked off. Ajahn Mahabhava said the heart is in a squeeze. That's why Tanisarabhiku uses the word stress. Generally, he doesn't use the word suffering. Stress is a little tricky, too. I mean, words are always tricky. Uh, Stress is probably a little more accurate because it really speaks to uh, less dramatic states that we tend to kind of find ourselves in so much of the time. But a good way to think about what suffering is, is the heart is blocked off. The heart is blocked off. So we tend to go through our days and the heart is blocked off. So in our practice, we need to learn to bring awareness to uh, that tightness, that tension, that stress, that dis-ease in the body. So this is just one of the many elements of the practice that we seek to employ in the service of becoming more wholehearted so that we can know happiness of heart. And this is the reason why we do these things, so that we can know happiness of heart, that's our goal. Uh, so as we go through our days, it's, you know, it's again, it's that simple practice of just bringing awareness, You know that ABC practice. We've talked so much about bringing awareness to the different emotions. We need to bring awareness to the tightness and the tension and the stress in the body as we go throughout our days, you know it's not, uh, you know it's not uh, uh, such a uh, elaborate practice that you have to uh, engage in. Just bring awareness to the tightness and the tension and the stress. Just like right now, is there any tightness? Is there any stress in the body? Can you bring awareness to it? Just bring awareness to it, and then go back to your breath. If you want to have compassion for yourself, good. You want to do that. So we bring awareness to the stress and the dis-ease in the body, and then, of course, we replace that with ease. We replace that with ease. So this is so important, and this is where a lot of contemporary mindfulness falls way short, is you know, it, it's, it, it, there's not this replacing of the dis-ease with the ease. There's not this replacing of pain with ease and pleasure internally so uh, our practice is making that trade our practice is you know seeing when there's tightness tension and stress and getting some space from that and having ease and well-being in the body so having this easeful and pleasurable abiding in the body so that we're able to uh, move through our days with that sense of ease and that pleasure and we can stay in the body we can stay in the body So we're more in the body, we're more in the body with ease. And the more we can be in the body with ease uh, during the course of our day, as we go throughout the course of our day, the closer we are to the heart. And the more we are to the close, and the more we're able to stay close to the heart and the more the heart is open. So the more we're able to stay in the body with ease, with a sense of well-being, internal pleasure, the closer we are to the heart, the more we are in the body, the more we are able to stay closer to the heart, the more the heart is open. So as we go through our days, one of the ways that we can kind of think about this is more and more we're in this state of grace. You know, we're in this state of grace. So uh, we're in this blessed state. You know, As human beings, we have this... Uh, 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 birthright, if you will, uh, which is the heart and the qualities of the heart. Uh, So we have this uh, potential, Uh, we're blessed with this potential to know and to live in this state of grace in which we are in the body with this quality of ease and well-being and we're connected to the heart and this quality of wholeheartedness Years ago, uh, there was a conference. Years and years ago, there was a conference of Buddhist teachers uh, in all different traditions. And one of the teachers in in, in the U.S. Uh, some of the teachers were Asian teachers, and one of the teachers was asked. You know, it was not just Buddhist teachers; it was all religious uh, leaders and spiritual leaders and the Buddhist roshi uh, or teacher uh, Zen teacher. I think it was was asked you know, in Buddhism, you don't really talk about grace, you know, receiving grace, and the teacher said, Well, what we really believe is that, you know, uh, we exist in a state of grace, you know, we're already in a state of grace, our practice is to know that and to be connected to that. So we're already here in this state of grace, we just don't know it, because we're looking at the phone, you know, we're smoking the dope. You know and we're so agitated because the body is stressed and we're in an emotional state so like we just don't realize we're we're in this state of grace so we practice so that we know that and we're connected to this state of grace so when we when we the more we're connected into the body and into the heart in this state of grace we move through the world with a quality of grace with a gracefulness. With a gracefulness there's a gracefulness to our movements Uh, uh, we uh, we find that grace within as we're moving through the world and we're connected to that grace within so there's a gracefulness to the way that we are in the world we all have this inherent potential to move through the world gracefully you know so that means you know that i mean there's the physical gracefulness that we that we're able to connect to. And of course there's the internal uh, gracefulness and quality of grace that's an expression of the heart. So we learn to move through the world gracefully. The body is at ease and the body is an expression of this grace. We move through the world and the body is graceful. We meet life with grace. We meet life gracefully. We meet the experiences of life gracefully. We meet pleasure and pain, gain and loss, status and disrepute, praise and blame. All the highs and the lows, the agreeable and disagreeable experiences of life, we meet gracefully. We meet the challenges and the difficulties that we have in life. We meet those experiences gracefully. We make mistakes, we fail, we struggle, you know, we meet those experiences gracefully. We talk about this a lot in meditation. I mean, I gave a talk about that a few weeks ago. Uh, such an important part of the process of meditation is like, how do you deal with it, you know the missteps and you know missing every breath and all of that kind of stuff? And how do you deal with the mistakes and the obstacles? Do you deal with them gracefully? You know, we have that potential to deal with them gracefully. So we're learning to deal with those obstacles in meditation gracefully, which of course, you know, enables our concentration to develop, but we're also learning how to meet the experiences of life gracefully. We're also learning how to meet the experiences of the life uh, with uh, this quality of grace. We're able to meet illness and aging. We've been talking about this a lot. We meet illness and aging, death and separation, these inevitable circumstances of life, we meet them gracefully. So we're, instead of relating to life so much from up here, from the place of thinking and the emotional way that most of us relate, or most of the time we relate to life, You know we're relating life less and less to less life less and less from this thinking place and worrying about it or trying to figure it out uh less and less from this emotional place right this emotional way of relating to life uh we're relating to life from the heart we're connected to the heart we stay in the body there's a quality of ease and gracefulness and we're connected to the heart and we move forward in life with grace. You know, this is something that you know we all can do. We all have this potential for this extraordinary gracefulness. That's really an expression of our basic human condition—the human condition that's covered over, covered over, you know, covered over with so many layers of of uh, uh, of. of uh, You know a mental and emotional and physical stress we have this potential you know uh and this ability to move through life with grace connected to the heart you know when we do that we know happiness of heart when we move through life with this quality of gracefulness with grace connected to our inner grace we have happiness of heart and this is a path of happiness